Hello, I'm Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids, and this is Vagrant Records, 25 years on the streets, where we tell the oral history of the label by the artists, fans, and insiders. This episode, we talk with two people who are musicians but made their bones in the food industry. Chefs Danny Bowen and Graham Elliott are fans of the label from way back, and they incorporate that influence into their recipes. I spoke to Danny Bowen, chef at Mission Chinese and author of the cookbook Mission Vegan. And as always, the other voice you'll hear in this conversation is super producer of this podcast, Jesse Cannon. So we're talking about uh, Vagrant Records specifically, and I'm, I have to wonder, I, I'm kind of making an assumption, did you become aware of the bands and the label when you were still living in Oklahoma? Yeah, man, I can honestly tell you the time and place. I remember I was like working at the mall. Um, I worked, <laughs> I was like 16, maybe younger. I, I was around that age though. I worked at this optometrist office um, and I thought that I wanted to be an eye doctor because in Oklahoma, everyone, for me as a kid growing up, you know, I was adopted. So I'm Korean, but my parents are I'm from Oklahoma. They're Caucasian. So I kind of, from a young age, kind of developed this like skill of, it makes people real, you know, even to this day, like it was really weird. People would be like, oh wait, are you, are those your parents? You know, kind of like, I kind of like I kind of like developed a skill of like disarming people and making them feel really comfortable and also telling them what the odds are in favor of kind of like the first question would always be like, wait, are, are those your parents? Like, oh, yeah, I'm adopted. I'm Korean. Oh, OK, well, are you ever going to find your real parents? Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? That was like kind of like succession of like the questions that would happen. And I always be like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor, you know, so people were like, oh, OK, that, that sounds great. So I really like kind of convinced myself I wanted to do this. But I also really love music. And I was I was in this, I started to play music in in junior high i was on the drum line and um so i remember i was like 16 i think around 15 16 and i was in hot topic on my lunch on my my break from the eye doctor's office and i'd gone to i'm pretty sure i'd gone to chick-fil-a and i'd like you know done my round of the mall and i was in hot topic and i was like i was checking out and um i don't remember what exactly i was buying but i remember like the, another year on the street like sampler was there or something like that and i was like oh i think it was like free or something they were like giving them out or something like that so I got it. I may have come with a purchase of over X amount of dollars, but I got it. And like, I had just like growing up, my parents were really strict about the kind of music I listened to. So I was only allowed to listen to like Christian music, like Christian, like if it was anything, it was like my first CD was like MXPX Life in general. Cause I was like, oh, I want to listen to like something that's not, you know, so Tooth and Nail was like my first like memory of like music that wasn't like DC talk. But then Vagrant, like this sampler was kind of like, I would buy and records kind of secretly. And if my mom or dad found, my mom found them or my, actually my friend Tim's mom was like super Christian. She would like break our CDs. So it's kind of like this like naughty thing that we do. We would shop at Hot Topic and like have different clothes we'd wear when we left home or we would wear it at church. <laughs> With a vagrant, another year on the streets, those samplers, I remember getting that. I got like one of the, the second or later issues. Not It wasn't the first one. I think it was like volume two. And then I remember when I lived in San Francisco when I moved to San Francisco when I was like later, like 19, I went to Amoeba and they had like another year on the streets volume one and so i remember getting that and hearing like you know just listening to it and then that kind of really i did i discovered a lot of bands like you know i knew of like your band i knew of the get up kids i knew of like you know thursday and saves the day already and dashboard that was like kind of becoming a thing in oklahoma at the time but then i like discovered so many other bands because of that sampler because at the time like you know my only access to that music was was like mtv2 maybe or just hearing about it you know it wasn't there wasn't even myspace back then but i think myspace was just i didn't figure out myspace happened and far later, you know, I think Friendster wasn't even around when that stuff came out. So I was, that was my first exposure to, uh, to Vagrant Records was from getting that sampler Hot Topic. It's interesting because that's like such a, like none of the labels that we ever talked to at that time, like thought to do anything like that in like going 
that mainstream of like getting stuff into the mall. You know what I mean? Like it was all like so cool. It was all just like you know get it into independent record stores, and and that's great. But uh huh. You said you found it more when you moved to San Francisco. Did you get to know that scene better? Because like we we've played Oklahoma, but I don't think we all toured there a bunch. You know, like I think we played Canes. I'm wondering if there was a scene that you were like a part of in Oklahoma, or if you didn't really find other people of similar interest until you got to San Francisco. I think to answer your question, like the scene. Like there was definitely a scene in Oklahoma at the time. I remember actually the first like I don't know uh, like the first like song I heard of that genre was probably when I heard like I remember hearing think is it I'm a loner it was on one of the one of the songs on like the the sample. And I remember hearing that, and I just remember, like, as a drummer, I remember, like, really liking, like, that song was, like, so raw, and, like, I loved how, like, the drums, like, it was just, like, a, the rim shots on the drums just sounded really, really awesome. I was like, wow. And, um, and so, like, I connected the kids in my high school because of that. Because I wasn't, like, a skater, and I wasn't, like, I started, I was playing music, kind of, but it was kind of a formidable, formative time for me, because I was kind of coming out of, like, you know, kind of, like, I wasn't really, ever really rebellious. I didn't really get in a lot of trouble. But I was starting to like music was starting to become my my big outlet, and so I connected. I remember this kid named John Keller in Oklahoma. We went to high school together, and um, it was kind of cool. He was like, I was like, oh man, I'm really into this like this music, and so a lot of kids knew about it. a lot. Of, I mean, everyone knew the Get Up Kids, and I remember kids in Oklahoma would like go to Kansas to see shows. I mean, my parents will let me go. But at the time, I think like all American rejects were starting to like happen in Oklahoma. And um, I, I joined a band actually. So the reason I left Oklahoma is because my band broke up. And um, that was like the biggest thing for us is like, I, I was like still working at the eye doctor's office, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't really want to be an eye doctor. And so um, I was playing in this band and we were like kind of this like pop rock, like pop punk band. Um, and, you know, that was a cool thing is we got to open up for the rejects. And when that happened, uh, that's when I like started to find this like group like that. Everyone that followed the rejects at that time, they were into like, you know, that's how I kind of found my scene. And so, um, but then, you know, I actually moved right after, like I started really discovering this music and, and I would remember listening. I, my band practice was in Hera, Oklahoma. So it was like about an hour away from, I lived on the South side of Oklahoma. And that's funny because my dad grew up in Hera. So we would go to my grandma's house every weekend. So I knew the area very well, but it was like an hour. So I remember like popping that in and just listening to it. And then over time I would go like Best Buy and like, you know, I would start, I would get CDs and like listen to stuff. And so, and I, and I, and I remember like Napster was like a big thing. So like I found a lot of the music through Napster, even though I know that's really not great for musicians, but I remember like just in high school, a lot of friends would like trade, like, you know, mix CDs. And, um, it was cool. Like it was, that was the cool thing about the sampler too, is like, I didn't even know who any of the fans were. I just knew the songs that I liked. And then later it'd be really crazy. Like saw my old clothes, like that was on one of the samplers, I think. And like, it wasn't really on any of the saves albums I had. And then later I got like the ups and downs B side and remember hearing that song. I was like, Oh my God, that's them. That's from that thing. You know, like, but yeah, I, I to answer your question. There was a scene in Oklahoma and it kind of like when I moved to San Francisco, having access to like Amoeba records, like that was like on my day off I would go there I went to San Francisco to go to culinary school so which meant I just partied the entire time and it took me three years to graduate <laughs> eight, it took me three years to graduate at eight month vocational school but wow. I mean I was a 19 year old in Oklahoma 
Like I tasted Korean food the first for the first time my entire life as a Korean adoptee. Like the moment I got off the that is so wild to me, man. Francisco, and then just being able to discover music, man. Like it was crazy. Like it was like it was so eye opening. But at that time, when I got to San Francisco, like you know emo and like you know kind of like bands, these vagrant bands, and like all the bands that was kind of like San Francisco at the time was like way different. I mean, I remember going there and like a lot of the people I would meet there. It was cool to meet like you know people that were in the same type of music that I was in. But I remember like the locusts and like like all these like crazy like super crazy hardcore bands like Lightning Bolt and like yeah spazzy uh, I sort was of like stuff. still like I was like wow like what they're going like Gilman like in Oakland I was like what this is crazy but it was really cool because everybody a lot of people in that scene were also into you know there there was like a they also loved I mean the types of music that like all these bands on Vagrant like that so there was this like I that was another it was a way for me to connect to people in San Francisco but it was definitely harder because in Oklahoma it was like everybody was like you know things I think things you know I don't know if they travel slower or faster I think they get to I mean people were still very much in like the white belt like you know sweatband like you know like like that kind of like and then I moved to San Francisco and it's all like American apparel like scene kids that are like all black and like you know wearing all black and like black chucks and just like very like yeah yeah yes you know that kind of that kind of vibe so I did connect with a lot of people and I think that was the beautiful thing about um that time in music was that it was so different than it is now you know and like um it was it was like so pure in a way. I know that's like probably something that sounds silly to say, but like it was it, I could connect so easily with people. Like, oh my gosh, like oh you like that band? Like and I know that can happen now too, but it's just like we have Spotify. Uh, yeah, of course it of course it does. It so, just yeah. it it was a you know, in a kind of pre or at the beginning of the internet sort of age when it was like harder to find other people with similar interests, you know? Especially when your interests were things that were part of the counterculture and not necessarily like mainstream on the radio and stuff like that. Were, were other people that you went to culinary school with into that scene? Yeah, so I remember meeting this kid, David Cabello, who's like a really close friend. and We worked together through the years on and off into other restaurants. And I just remember like, I, culinary school was weird because it was all like bro-y, like football, like like jocks kind of. Like kids that I like kind of grew up around in Oklahoma, which I, there's nothing wrong with that. I actually like a lot of my friends in high school, I remember senior year was like, when I was like getting into this music and like everyone senior year in high school, especially in Oklahoma, I'm sure you can relate to this map, but it's like, it's like you, everyone kind of comes together. They kind of like everyone, like in my high school, everyone kind of got along at the end. And so I was, I was friends with like people that were like, ended up going to OU and being in fraternities and like football players and jocks and everything. So high school, when I went to culinary school, it was kind of a repeat of that. It was a lot of people that, you know, a lot of people that said they wanted to be chefs, but kind of maybe didn't know exactly what they wanted to do. And I remember like zeroing on this one kid, I was on break outside smoking a cigarette. I smoked back then. And like this kid had like, you know, like the snake bite piercings. And I was like, oh, like, what's up? You know, and he was in a, wasn't in my class, but another class. And we started talking about music. And he's like, oh, he's like, have you heard of like all these bands? And then he was like, hey, have you heard of the Atari? Because I at that time I had just heard of the used. So I was like, oh, no, but have you heard of the used? He's like, no. So we traded that. We traded stuff and like listened to him. And that was like, but like, out of my whole school, I feel like there was like one or two kids. I remember just mainly being David, who I became very close with. And, um, and like, you know, we, it was because of music, you know, and, and because of the type of music that we listened to. I mean, everyone else at that time was like really into like a lot of kids that I went to culinary school with were from the Bay Area. So they were really into like Bay Area rap and stuff like that, like Mac Dre and like that kind of thing. It was like, it was great, but it was just like, I was still like the, the emo kid from Oklahoma with the white belt <laughs> and the really tight dickies on. And um, I always say I see a lot of similarities, especially between touring musicians and people who work in kitchens, chefs and, 
and cooks just that is sort of like mercenary work. You know, it's just oh, kind of like yeah. you, you like so we roll in plunder and then we bounce, you know, and it's just like, and you guys do these like insane, like shifts of just like, you know, marathons of, of just being on your feet and being around flames and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I've always, and then it's also like music always seems to be a big part of kitchens. And of course, food is always a big part of, you want to know what any band talks about on tour. It's always about where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how we met, right? I remember you guys were in town and like, I was like, so beyond like Stokes to like, to meet you and like be able to like, I've gotten to meet so many of like, I mean, it's crazy the amount of people I've been able to meet because of, of the restaurant. It's the only people that I like when they're like, Hey, do you want to meet this person? And I'm just kind of like, I don't sure. And then it's just like, but it's like, if you want to go meet Danny and go eat at his restaurant, I'm like, uh, fuck. Yeah. I was like, can we cut sound check early so I can go eat? Yeah. I mean, I still remember like when we did the podcast, your podcast above mission cantina, which is now closed RIP, but like, and just being able to like, I was like, so like, stoked you know and i mean to answer your question i feel like you know at the end of the day it's funny because i think food service and like and you know for me i was really pursuing music before i got into food right and like i just you know i feel like it's funny because of bands and i think with chefs too there's kind of like there's always this thing this this goal marker you put in front of yourself like oh once this happens then i'm going to be so happy when i remember you remember when you were in a band and all you wanted to do was get signed i don't know maybe if you wanted to get signed to a label all you want to do is like go on tour and like all i want to do is tour yeah stuff like that right all you wanted to do right and then you get there and you're like oh wait (laughs) like this is like this is a lot of work you know it's a Uh lot of work i think people i I think that like the same with kitchens you know it's like it's like it's production you're working in this big production and you go and you you know the dinner service at a restaurant's only like you know three or four hours long a show is like you know a couple hours long but the amount of work that it takes to get to that hour and the amount of people that it takes to get the production ready it's kind of crazy. And also it's, it's really about like course correcting all night. Like when you're playing on stage, you know, how many things can go wrong? Something always goes wrong. And it's just a matter of how quickly you recover. It's the same with cooking food. Something gets burnt. A customer doesn't like something. They send it back. You know, it's, and I think that that defines what a good band is and what a good chef or a good restaurant or any kind of, you know, food operation is, is their ability to recover and like recover gracefully and also to work together as a team because, you know, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, like being in a band, right? It's like you guys, you have all these people and no one wants to feel like a cog in a machine, right? Same in the kitchen. You have these people that maybe like the chef, like there's a lead singer, but the lead singer and the chef are, you know, if your drummer doesn't show up or if your bass player doesn't show up or if your dishwasher doesn't show up, you know, the thing doesn't really work. And so it's really a thing that's a sum of its parts. And I find that like at the end of the day, whether we want to admit it or not, this is something I always have asked my friends that are in bands. And, you know, it's, is that we all are people pleasers. Like we all go do this because yeah, it's our dream and our passion to do this, but we really want to make people happy. We want people to walk away. The best thing that happened after a show or, you know, a dinner service is someone like walks away and they felt like moved. They felt like they could forget their problems for that couple of hours and like, you know, like put it to the side. And that, but that, that takes a lot of work from our end to be able to provide that service. And like, I think that like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I've always had a sensitivity to musicians and bands. And when they come in town, whenever I'm able to like cross paths with musicians, like I do feel this, like kind of this very deep connection because at the end of the day, I, 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 you know, it's, I can't complain, you know, COVID's kind of helped kind of put everything really in like, into really like super, super laser sharp focus and make me appreciate the things that I used to complain. What would you not give to like go out? 
out on tour again. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, like I've been waiting to reopen the restaurant and be in dinner service. Not maybe the same capacity that it was before. There's things that like I still dislike about it, but I do miss. It's nice having people in the restaurant again. And I'm sure it will be nice playing in front of people, you know, live shows as opposed to having to do something on Zoom or like on YouTube or something. We usually like go hang out at a friend's backyard around the camp, you know, the fire pit or whatever. And it was raining and we're all two weeks post-vax. And so we're like, okay, let's just do it inside. And so it was just like eight people in a room and it was overwhelming. It was completely overwhelming. And it was just like, I can only imagine the first time I go to a show or we play a show, like I'm expecting people to be crying. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's I just mean, such course. a like, not not because of our band specifically, but like just it, just that that feeling, that camaraderie and that that there's just nothing like it. And it's, you, you can't do it at 25% capacity. You know what I mean? Like you just. Well, right. And also being able to feel sound, you know, because I feel like there's a thing about restaurants and the restaurant experience, you know, and the same as like, we've always like, I've always kind of like crafted mission to be like this very atypical thing. And I've always thought of like going to see a show, you know what I mean? And like different people put on different types of shows. I think restaurants are very, I mean, there's a lot of theatrics involved and like there've been times where ours have, you know, restaurants have been located in like the back of like a tiny hole in the wall on the Lower East Side that like felt like you're at like like a tiny show. You know what I mean? And like and it's but I do think there's something about feeling sound. Like when you're at a show and like the band comes out and you feel the music physically, you know, like you know, feeling like the sonic vibrations of like really loud music. It's so different. And that's something I really miss. Like I really miss being able to do that. The same as like as it is to go into a restaurant and smell the food cooking as opposed to getting it delivered to your doorstep from, you know, seamless or something. And so I think it's like and that's the thing about music too, is it's like it's like that's the talking about like, you know, vagrant records and all this this history, it's like I remember being able when I first saw you guys play, I saw the get up kids play for the first time in San Francisco at the Fillmore. And one of my friends, this this uh, person, Heather Lip, she was a good I think she she grew up in Lawrence and so she knew somebody in the band. More someone in your band she knew. And she took me and I was like my first time ever being like one of my first times ever being at the Fillmore, let alone seeing Get Up Kids play. And I'm on like the side stage kind of up in the Raptors, the kind of the VIP area. And it's I was just like so taken aback, you know, like that was just such a really transformative moment for me. But also being able to feel like that feeling and, and being able to see how it affects people. And again, like you have people for a very small amount of time and hopefully you can, you please them and they walk away happy, but it is like a labor of love. Like, you know, I do think yeah, that totally. there's a lot that people don't see behind the scenes and I'm not going to complain ever, you know, I'm not complaining, but it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work. I just think that there's so many similarities between our, yeah, our of careers as far as like, you know, uh, especially with live music and, and, you know, like, you can make cookbooks and I can make records all day, you know, but it's just like, if you're not like in the restaurant or in a, in a club or in a theater or something like that, it's just, a, it's not the same. It's not the same. And there's thing. one thing, one other thing I would say to that. It's like, I've struggled with this my whole, for my, most of my career. And I, this is what I was going to say about like asking other musicians and stuff. And then my question is, it's like, ultimately, I, it's really cool to be able to say, have that mentality of like, oh, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm just doing my thing and like, fuck the haters. But it really hurts when people don't like what you do. And like, for so long, like, I, tell me about it. <laughs> with musicians, especially, right? Everyone, I remember music before food to me, everyone was a critic. You know what I mean? I remember like going on these message boards back in the day and like seeing how hurtful people could be. And then like, 
you know, that echoing, you know, I was like, Oh, I don't have to deal with that. I'm just going to go to culinary school and then becoming a chef. And like, everyone's a critic on like Yelp and like, you know, or the actual food critics, like being reviewed. And as a musician, like my question is like, you know, your first album, right. Whenever like shit breaks and you're like, not, I don't know if you were ready for it. I'm pretty sure you probably weren't expecting, you know, your band to become what it became. I, I talked to Chris from Saves and Jeff from Thursday and they're like, dude, get up kids. They made it. Like they were the ones back in the day. We were like, wow. They're like, wow, this is crazy, you know? But like after it's hard because like, you know, for me, it's hard whenever I remember whenever on a wire came out and being really, really deeply in love with that album. And like, but you know, to people you would talk to, everyone's like, oh, I want it to be sound more like this. And it's not just your bands it's like smashing pumpkins after melancholy everyone wanted the next album sound like melancholy or like siamese dream and like there's this artistic route that you have to take to be true to yourself but like it's like everyone wants you kind of stay the same and i guess my question is like how hard is it like at what point is it because as you've gotten you know older and like you know you've seen so much and you've you've been through this you know, you know, you kind of know, it's kind of bad, sad because it's like, in a way, like that, like fearless naivety that we all have when we get into the game. It's like, you've seen too much, you know, the game, right? But like, how hard is it to be able to be like, I'm going to do my own thing. Has there ever been a moment where you're like, wait, maybe I should just play the hit. And, you know, maybe I need to go back and do that again. And uh, like, it's it, for me, it's about balance, you know, like, it's kind of like, it's, it's like I've been working on this algorithm of Get Up Kids live set list and it's like okay if we're going to play 20 songs then these are the 10 songs we we have to play every night that you would be <laughs> you would be you would be bummed if you came to a Get Up Kids show and we didn't play Dottie or whatever yeah of course, and of course. then there's the five songs from like whatever our newest record is or something like that or whatever we're promoting. And then the other five are like whatever the hell we want. And so the, it's like, so then it's kind of like one for you, one for us, one for you, one for us and try to do it like yeah, that, that I sense. guess. But That's I, really I think, helpful to hear because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, has there ever been a moment where you're like, I'm going to throw it all away? And like, was there ever? Oh album? yeah, I did. You I, know I, what? I Fuck it. We're doing our own thing. I quit music for like almost a year in 2002. 12 and went to go work on a farm in a friend of mine's food truck. And so, and it was just kind of like, and it was just kind of funny. I was like working in, working on this, <laughs> working on this farm, listening to podcasts. And then the farmer was like, so you were in a band? And I'm like, yeah. And then they look it up on YouTube and they're like, holy shit. Like, why are you? <laughs> That's amazing, like, what are you, dude. What are you doing picking radishes? And I'm like, I got burned out. Right? I'm having a midlife crisis. Leave me alone. But yeah, I'm sure that there's signature things that you're known for that you kind of feel like beholden to, you know, dishes that you're like beholden to. And you always want to like, you want to find a way to like acknowledge that and celebrate that. But then at the same time, not just become the, you know, a, a one note, a one trick pony. You right. Know, you got well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, was there ever a time in your career where you were like, I've got to, you know, cause I know artistically and creatively, like you grow, right? Like, but like, was there ever a moment where you became so frustrated? Like I have to outdo this. I can outdo that song that everyone won't stop talking, you know, like, has there ever been a moment where you're like, I can, you know, like for me creatively, there have been so many moments where I'm like, wait, but this dish is like way better than that old dish that everyone loves. But like, I was asking Jeff and Chris about that because I was really struggling with that. I mean, when you and I first met years ago, uh, when I had Mission Cantina, I was really having a hard time because it's a classic story. It's like everyone wanted it to be Mission Chinese food. And it was, you know, Mission Cantina was much different than Mission Chinese food. And um, no one really wanted to give it a chance. And I only was like, I was like, this is like a follow-up album to like a really breakthrough album. And like, and they're like, 
like, you know, I was like, what do you think? Like, you know, to me, I just want to throw it all away. I mean, like, I'm never doing Mission Chinese food again. Because at that time, Mission Chinese had been closed. Um, it was closed for a few years. And their response was like, no, in a, in a way, you kind of have to like nurture that because that's what got you here. And like, I was like, do you ever get tired of playing a song? You know, Radiohead wouldn't play Creep for years. You know what I mean? And um, they're like, no, like, you know, they're, they're, both of their opinions are like, no, like there's a moment where like, you're like, yeah, I can do better than that. But like, people just want to hear that. It connects with them. Like, have you ever felt that way that you, that you never wanted to play a song again? That was a hit that people would get mad about. It seems like you are, you don't do that. All the time. <laughs> like, like it just, the thing is, and the, the way that I kind of have always expressed it is that like those 10 songs that we, we have to play every single night, yeah. they're, yeah. they're, really fun to play they're they're just yeah. they're just not fun to practice like when it's just really? the five of us in the room and yeah. then but then when you get on when you get on stage and everyone's singing along cuz they're the most popular yeah. songs then you're yeah. you're really not you're just feeding off of their energy you know like a right. en- energy vampire and then yeah. uh you know and so it's it's a completely different experience and it, it kind of takes you out of like you know the song itself and you know you're just kind of like connecting with the crowd if if that doesn't sound too corny yeah no, it's, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, th- I think that you really just, and I think this is just something that I've had to learn with age and having done this for 25 years. Because I play those 10 songs every night, we make enough money that we can then create new art. You know what I mean? And so, and if you, if you get it, cool. And if mm-hmm. not, and you just want to go out on a Friday night and hear four minute mile songs, then right. we can do that. We can do that too. And thanks. Thank you for coming. You know? So yeah. Yeah. I think it's about balance, you know, and I think yeah. probably the same way for you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's really helpful to hear. I always wonder, you know, because it's also like food, like I have the ability to go back and tweak with a dish, but then people are like, wait, this is different than the last time I had. It. I don't like this, you know? And I'm sure you can change the breakdown on a song a little bit or a harmony here. And I've been there, you know, in concerts where, you know, musicians will change the part and then the crowd sing along and everyone kind of gets confused. Yeah. So how much <laughs> of a, how of much of a don't fuck with it anymore? Are you, are you, when you play it, when you play four minute mile, you play holiday, you play action, action, all those songs. Is it just like, you're just going to play them exactly the same because it's, no. the crowd I mean, wants it that way or is it, you know, or do you guys, has there been a moment, because I mean, looking back, you're probably like, oh, I would have changed that or this could have been better or well, maybe, easiest, you know, or the easiest example of that is that the vocals on four minute mile are all out of key. They're all like flat. And so I don't sing like that anymore. And I did, uh, you know, if uh. I, I wouldn't have sang like that in the first place if I had been a better singer at the time. And so it's just like, I'm not going to go back and sing this poorly live just be, to make it like, you know, sonically accurate is a term that comes up from time to time, which I think sounds so pretentious. <laughs> uh, it's the right term though. I know, but it just sounds like that's not sonically accurate. And it's just like, go fuck yeah. yourself. I'm a fan of, of punk records that sound like shit. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, that's I don't, great. I, you know, like, so I, I understand why people like it. It just pains me to hear myself sing like that. Cause I know I can do better, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think you have to have kind of a, I think the trick is to not, to not get into like an adversarial headspace with the people who are either critiquing you or are fans of you and to, but then at the same time to not let them get under your skin too much. Like it's kind of like a, cause it's always that kind of thing of like you do a post and then it's like positive, 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 one negative comment. And you're like, fuck, yeah, and you just what am I even, why am I even doing this? You know, yeah. like, and you just yeah. gotta ha- have kind of a, you know, just kind of go like, all right, man, you know, as long as you're not saying like calling somebody something racist or something, <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's just like, yeah. I mean, it's age. It's it's a tale as old as time too. I mean, with the trolls and stuff, it's like it's like that's not a new thing. 
I was actually on a Smashing Pumpkins forum this morning because I was looking for this this shirt that Billy wore a long time ago. It was like 1992 or so, like really long time ago. And um, people are like going after each other then. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, it's it's a thing. I but I get it. It's like at the end of the day, like it is really it's a really impactful thing you said to not get into an adver- adversarial like situation with people critiquing your food or people like enjoying your food or your music. Cause that all that's helping support you and your art and, yeah. you know, help pay the bills. And like, so it's kind of like in the restaurant industry, it's like, there's this mentality for a long time where the customer is always right. You know what I mean? And like, we try to balance to a point, not always <laughs> right, but like most of the time, right. <laughs> you know? So, well, so. I was going to say that's the, the one big difference is that when people come to my show and are drunk and, drunk and mean i can mock them from the stage whereas when they come to you when they come to your yeah, restaurant we, you have to like still serve you them kind of like turn the other cheek it's really hard it's really hard daddy i know you have good memories of uh saves you want to get one of those in there i mean i can tell you it's actually funny i have so many good memories of saves i remember the first time i met chris i met chris it was a really like for lack of a better word like emo time for me in my life like i Mission Chinese food on the Lower East Side had gotten shut down by the health department, which happens to 99.99% of restaurants in New York at one point or another. But ours just happened to be very public. They, you know, the, the the press really went in, you know, and they and they made a big deal about it. And I was really in a dark space. And I had happened to meet Jeff by chance at Mission, you know, months earlier. Jeff Rickley from Thursday. I thought he was this guy. I thought he was Chris from that band Girls um, in San Francisco. And so... He walked in and I was like, Hey dude, what's up? And he, and Jeff being the really like nice guy, he's like, Hey man. And I think it's like, you know, he's the musician. So just be like, Hey buddy, what's up? How's it going? You know, like did the thing. And then he goes in the back and like, it's a funny story. He sits down, he eats and we kept sending him stuff. So that was my friend and this, you know, that band, they would come to the San Francisco mission all the time because you know, they've lived in the mission. They played shows there. So I was like just styling him out, giving him all this stuff. And at the end he comes up, he's like, Hey man, we're going to go see this band play at um, pianos. If you want to go, it was around the corner. I was like, sure like let's go and i got there and i realized mid walk that i have no idea who this person is this is not chris <laughs> and we get in there and i'm like okay and i drank back then still and so i was like you know i'll just have drinks and i'll just start drinking and it'll be fine and then i look around and there's other people that lay, vaguely look familiar but they're not familiar it's kind of a bad story because these people aren't we're not big but like uh it's like eddie reyes and like adam lazara and like i was like wait a minute like these are the guys from taking back sunday and i'm pretty sure this is Chris from Thursday and then he met some other people from Thursday there and I was like oh my god so I didn't say anything like I was just like went with it and like had a great time with them and then you know ended up going home and exchange gave Chris my I mean, gave Chris gave Jeff my number I was like oh yeah hit me up whenever and I didn't tell him that story until months later you know kind of around the time when I was like having I was really struggling and I was like hey you know like I really thought you were someone else he's like oh yeah I know I could tell he's obvious <laughs> I knew but he's like he's like I went with it too you're a cool guy it was nice and like we had a great time he's like hey do you want to go see um and you know i've he's kind of had heard of a mission at that time and he was like you know, i heard you're like a stage fan do you want to go see them play and i was like oh my god yeah so i went to their holiday show at the starland ballroom it's a starland oh, ballroom, yeah. So yeah and um chris was with his dad and I remember he's like hey i was like i'd love to make food we were kind of doing this pop-up in brooklyn and i was like out of um frankie's and so i was like oh i'm gonna bring some mission for chris i'm gonna try it he's vegetarian so i brought his food and like i remember being backstage 
with Jeff and then like and and Chris is like hey first thing he's like hey man Danny meet my dad me and his dad are like eating like you know broccoli uh like you know with vegan oyster sauce like behind in his like little like green room and um you know he played the show and I, that night he like shouted me out from the stage he's like oh this song's for Danny thanks for bringing amazing food and, and it kind of like was the craziest thing because I'm like here I am with like some of my you know childhood heroes like you know like and and all this happened because of food and it was actually put things again it was like one of those like moments where I saw a lot of positivity in a really negative time and I was like wow like this is crazy and then later down the line you know when Mission reopened on East Broadway um, we were all sitting in that in the dining room and and Chris you know he's like I could never really get a read on him if anyone's ever met Chris from Saves like he's like this he's a pretty like not I don't know he's a pretty like open thinker he's very open with his feelings and his thoughts right and he's like hey Danny do you ever do you ever play any instruments and I'm like I mean I played when I was like I played drums in high school you know and I didn't really talk to him much about like you know being in a band or anything and he's like oh he's like we should start he's like we should start a super group but it should be like themed and it should be like we should be like cops or narcs we should be actual undercover cops and like it kept going on and on and Jeff was like yeah, this is a great idea. And we can make a graphic novel about it because Jeff's really into graphic novels. And they're like, what should we call it? And he's like, we should call it Narcs. And like, fast forward to like many years later, like two years after that, uh, the cookbook, Mission Chinese, was coming out. And I was like, hey, like, because we'd started this thread, like they'd started this like thread, this text thread. And they're like, let's start a band text thread. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. LOL, I'm in a band with Chris and Jeff. Yeah, right, whatever. And then the cookbook parts, you know, this cookbook tour is coming out. And the publisher's like, what do you want to do for your tour? I was like, well, it'd be really cool if I could just go on tour with my band, which I didn't have a band. And I I was like, and just see if they went for it. Like, yeah, that'd be great. Like, where do you want to go? Like, you can go to Charleston, go to... I was like, what if I went to other restaurants like Night Market in LA or like Husk in Charleston? And like, but like, I didn't really want to do a lecture and a demo. I just wanted to have like a party and have my band play. And they went with it. They're like, they're like, sure. And then, so I texted Chris and Jeff and they're like, and Chris was like, oh, like, if you want to do that, I'm down. And he starts sending over these demos. That night, he just starts making all these songs. And Jeff lived in New York and I was like, kind of. Sh- you know, shitting my pants, like terrified, but also like, you know, I was like, might as well go for it, you know? And so Chris flew out and like, we ended up playing, we never practiced. And, you know, Jesse, you know a lot about this because like you were there and like, you know, did sound for these like shows in the back of Mission or like in the basement of Mission Cantina. Like, but like Chris, like saves the day. Like that was crazy because I really got to know Chris. And then after the fact, got to know like Rodrigo and like, like the rest and like, like all the people, Arun, like all the people in the band. You know, I, man, I can't tell you how many times we've had that like kind of music and food conversation especially with oh, those yeah. guys because rod during quarantine started doing this like cooking thing and like um i would help but with the cooking demo with him he and i would cook together on tour whenever we like could get to a a, a venue that had a, a kitchen it would be like all right everybody give me your food buyout we're going to the store That's and so cool. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cook for people i actually took a web i took a weber kettle grill on tour uh-huh. in a in a road case one time what what <laughs> That's amazing. We had, the, we had this old like 410 base cabinet, you know, anvil road case. And I was just like, I think if I take the legs off the kettle, it'll fit. And I did. Wow. And so I basically I would like get it out when we were on tour, you know, put the legs back on it, fire it up, you know, and, and cook. And then it would be like I could co- I could cook dinner for like everybody working the show for less for less money than it cost to like give everybody a food buyout. So, yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't do better. it. Every, I didn't do it every night, but it was just kind of one of those, you know, it was a fun thing to when do. When you were feeling it. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, I would love to. If you ever, when you guys play again, and you need a, like a, if you're in New York and you need a, a road chef, I would definitely be down to do it. With a absolutely. Tour. Mission Vegan comes on, so it's going to be a funny thing. Like if we can get the band back together. I remember, you know, I remember when we were talking about this, Matt. When Narcs first started, that was kind of like when, and you were like, man, I'm like, what, what the hell, what is this thing all about? Because yeah, people I, I, in like, I kept waiting for my fucking phone to ring to be like, hey, we're doing this band with Danny. You want to be in it? Yeah. And I'm like. Yes. Like, what the fuck, no, man? Well, I'm, I'm down. Like, and I think that, like, I was like telling them, I was like, it'd be so cool to, like, you know, to do that. You know, to be able to, like, have you just play. Someone's in town, or like, someone's going to be in town to just play. You know what I mean? Because the whole premise behind that band is we didn't rehearse, we never practiced, which was great for me because I was terrified. I'm like, yo, you guys have two really amazing drummers in each of your bands. Like, Tucker's an insane drummer in Thursday. I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, they're like, no, but we want this to be like kind of intentionally not great. You know what I mean? But then it's funny because they're both like lead singers and bands and they're kind of like, I, it was funny being able to step back and watch it. Start out as kind of like this thing that was like, oh, this is just a laugh. But then like start to get really good and then actually like kind of digging in and like taking it like beginning a lot of like, you know, it's, it was it, to me, it was nice because I saw them using it as an outlet uh, the same way I was using it as an outlet. It kind of was at the right time, the right place, right time for all of us. because We were all going through our, like a lot of stuff um, professionally and personally. But yeah, I mean, that was like that lightness. I remember when we spoke about that, that was like, I was like, you know, it'd be so cool selfishly for me to be able to play with like people that I, I I idolize and like, you know, grew up listening to, but also for it to just be this fun, like ratty, like crazy, annoyingly fun thing. But with music and food, I think that like in both music and food for so long, there's been this like philosophy that's pressed, like this narrative that's been pushed that it's like perfection. Everyone, there's, there's so many people that strive for perfection, which I think is completely stupid and it's very, it's not attainable. And so I think that now, um, you know, coming out of, you know, the last year that we've been through with COVID and stuff, it's like just being able to like have that lightness and be, and be able to like have fun and, you know, not take ourselves too seriously. That's like, goes all the way back to the, the what we were talking about at the top of this conversation with, with Vagrant and with those, those earlier albums and like, you know, like the, not everything being perfect, you know what I mean? But the appeal of that, the appeal and the imperfection, you know, I think that that's like, I can I can only speak for the food industry, but I can definitely say that after like fine dining and years and years of people trying to like, the whole reason we started Mission was because I wanted a place that my friends and I could be comfortable at. And um, and look where we are now. I mean, it's insane. I'm getting to talk to you guys about, about my favorite bands growing up. And like, so I, it's an honor, you know, it's really an honor. And I, I really appreciate being able to be a part of this and, and congrats to you. To, I mean, honestly, like it's, it's, uh, you know, 25 years of playing music. I mean, I, it's crazy. It's cool to hear that you started back up after you quit. You know what I mean? Like that you're like, I quit for a year. I had to do that, but you're, you're with it still. And that's like, that's like, you know, cause there's been times I'm sure that's probably helpful for a lot of people to hear. They'll hear this, that like, you know, sometimes you do need to take a minute and take a step back. I definitely always found joy in making music, like in being creative. And that's the part of it that I love. So, well, I mean, honestly, man, it, like your music has like definitely shaped my life in so many ways. And I can remember so many really formative moments of my life and your music playing. I remember listening to your music when I first moved to New York and it was so hard, you know, making $5 an hour under the table as a line cook and being in the subway in the middle of the summer, like super hot. And the only thing that brought me joy was being able to be off work and listen to my iPod at the time and listen to your album, you know, like, and like that just being on the subway track and just being like, okay, finally I can unplug and like decompress and listen to this on my long ride back home to Brooklyn.
I first met Chef Graham Elliott in 2008 when he reached out to me online and invited me to his amazing fine dining restaurant when I was on tour in Chicago with Kevin Devine. Turns out he's a punk kid who used to come see us play back in the day in Denton, Texas, and would blast a lot of vagrant bands in his very acclaimed restaurant, regardless of whether the wealthy clientele liked it or not. Somehow we talked about how a label is like a baseball team. Here's Graham. So, like, I know you've told me that you, when you came to see us play at, like, Rubber Gloves in, in Denton, and yeah. and then, like, you know, I've known you now for since like 2008, I think is when I first came to eat at the, your restaurant. You invited me. Yes. Like, what are your memories of that? I assume that like your, your kind of like relationship with the label is, is more in that sort of like early era, like 90. We're finding that it seems to be like a, a, an era of vagrant from like 99 to 2005 or so. And like when it was like us and saves and trio and, and all that sort of stuff. So I was wondering if, if you had any thoughts or memories of that time and those bands and if the label even was like a, a part of that to you, it seems to be for a lot of people, but I don't know. It's kind of an open-ended question, I guess. I'm just, yeah, it's funny because I try to think of what I can equate it to, you know, like I'm a big baseball nerd. So it's almost like the, liking the team versus individual players. So it's like team vagrant, right? That's that, a merchandise opportunity that we missed. Yeah, see, totally. You should have had your Jersey. Yeah. But Think about like other label, right? Like Revelation or Jade Tree. It's almost like that's the the entryway, the door that you know you're going to walk through and have an idea of what you're going to get. Um, so I think that that's something that's very important. Almost like the the, the branding or the quote unquote banding, if you will. Uh, See, I'm a dad now. <laughs> I'm a dad, so you can tell. But I think it's something like that. And uh, Vagrant, yeah, you you knew what you were getting into, you know, based on based on what bands were on there. So I do obviously cherish those memories from that time period. And like you said, Save the Day and Get Up Kids. Didn't didn't you guys have? Wasn't Paul Westerberg on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the label. See, that's one of those where that's like when you get the player, you know, from like some other weird team and you're like, what? They're on the fucking Cubs now? Like, wow. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. So I, I did love that. I thought it was really cool of like, uh, you know, kind of stretching out. But yeah, I think that, you know, what Vagrant did for the scene was really elevate everything as, as far as the presence of what was going on. Right. It's like, if you have one or two bands playing a certain genre or certain style, that's one thing. But when you get enough together under, you know, the, the same roof, now it's like a, a movement. So we did the same thing in, in Chicago. There were, you know, a couple of us doing avant-garde cuisine. And then all of a sudden there's a good handful of you. And now Chicago's like the it spot because it kind of stands for something. So I guess that, did that you that's feel what... In that time in the food world, did you feel like you were part of a movement? Yeah, absolutely. Really? I think, yeah, very influenced by what was going on at El Bulli in Spain, you know, but there was myself, right. Pomaro Cantu at Moto, Grant Atkins at Alinea. So we were all doing our own style, but very similar philosophy behind it. You know, like we always say, if it's not broken, break it. How can we look at a tomato in a hundred different ways and come up with a, a bunch of things that we can do with them? I really like if it's not broken, break it. <laughs> really like, that's a really good, that's a really well, good I mean, philosophy. But see, but Matt, like look at what you've done, right? Like imagine Get Up Kids era, right? If you're, maybe you're young and you're crazy and you're like, wow, you know, what if we 
strung the guitar upside down? Or what if in, instead of yeah, it was just know, never, verse, chorus, verse, what if we did this? And it then was, you go and you do <laughs> New Amsterdam's and then you do your solo stuff and it's like completely stripped down. It's more craft driven. Like I, I play guitar, you know that. But like when I, when I listen to you play, I'm like, holy shit, like not only lyrics, right? And then vocals, but like your, your guitar work is, is awesome. And I'm like, that's so cool. It's like a chef can do something if they have a million different pieces of equipment, but what can you do with like a grill and some fire and a sharp knife? Like when you strip it down, how, you know, what yeah. do you stand for? What, what the craft of cooking or music? Well, it, it's, there's always that kind of philosophy of like a great song has to be able to perf be performed by one person. It can, it can be like, like a, a really kick-ass recording or a great bass line won't save a, a shitty song you know what i mean like it, it's yeah. it's got to have good bones as it were it just right, right. Because like and i think this is like kind of a, a product of coming up in in like punk rock like you don't think of yourself as part of a like you think of the scene in kind of at least it's my interpretation kind of loose terms but you don't kind of go like mm -hmm. oh we're doing something it's just kind of like hey you're my friend and i like your band and we're gonna play shows together you know like we're gonna we're gonna go play at the fireside and and with whoever we happen to play with that time you know like it's it's crazy it's just yeah but I, I, I do see your I, point. I think it's funny because it's, yeah, it's, it's like you have this ethos of we believe in this, not just DIY, but like we're going to put a lot of emotion between it. We're going to wear our heart on our sleeve. And it's funny because the quote unquote scene back then, it was like, there's going to be eight bands and you'll have like some straight edge band next to a ska band. And then you guys come on after that. And it's just, it, it's almost like if you put a bunch of chefs together and did a dinner, like there's not a lot of continuity, but we're all kind of cool tattooed chefs. Yeah. But, um, well, but I don't know. I just, it was all just, counterculture you know like it was just like yeah exactly it's like it, it was just the, the the continuity was we were the other you know like we weren't we weren't the the popular band you know we weren't on the radio that kind of that kind of thing like exactly so it's almost like again you have all these older 50 year old french chefs with their coats and like a chef hat and whatever and then you've got you know, chefs that are wearing t-shirts and an apron and playing whatever music they feel like in the dining room. And all of a sudden you realize that's happening kind of all over, but in certain little pockets. And then it just becomes the norm, you know? It is interesting. So it's interesting to think yeah. that you did have an influence on that. Like, do you feel that you've moved into like that, that grandfather type role of you hear a lot of other bands? I wasn't going to go like, with grandfather, but <laughs> I, I think a term that I, this is kind of a douchey like music industry thing, but we've been called a legacy artist lately, which is sort of like the polite way of saying you're old. And, right. But I remember the first time I went to your restaurant, which was like the, the, your old restaurant, which is like, yeah, super not like, like one of the nicest restaurants I've ever been to. And like, you're playing fucking jawbreaker. And I was just like, yeah. And I even asked you, I was just like, don't people complain about this? And you're like, fuck them. <laughs> they didn't want to. Yeah. They wanna... always, yeah. I always said that I'd have to like break up with, with the guests. Cause they'd walk in and it's like, this is too loud. And like, I don't want to sit there and how, and I'm like, look, it's not you, it's me, but let me call another plate. Cause I don't want you to go on Yelp and trash me. And then you're going to ask for a free day. Like, let's just end this now. 
you know? So you have so, to run damage I, control in that sort of... Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but you you said something back then that is stuck with me. And I asked you, how do you decide, like, your set list? Mm. Because there's a lot of dishes in the kitchen where, you know, again, it's like a band. You got 10 people in there that all want to express themselves. They want to do something new. And we want to do dishes like that. But at the same time, if someone wants to pay 15 bucks for a Caesar salad, you know, over and over, even though I don't want to do it, you told me one for you, one for them. Yeah. One, like, we're going to do this song. Then we're going to put this that everyone sings along to. Then we're, And so I've always had my menu kind of laid out like that. I've, so, uh, thank I've, you for that. <laughs> I will, you're welcome. I truly believe that. I've refined that concept a little bit further of just going, if we're going to play 20 songs and it's like, okay, here's the 10 songs that are, we have to play every night that you would be disappointed if you came to a get up kid show and you didn't hear, you know, right. holiday or something. And then there's five songs from the new record, whatever that happens to be. And then the other five songs are like, you know, whatever we want, you know, it could be like deep cuts, covers, like any of that kind of stuff. And that way it, right. it keeps it interesting for us too. But yeah, I could totally see how that would be, man. You know what? Our jobs are actually really similar. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I tell everyone that it you know like an ingredient is like a chord a song is like a dish yeah. an album's like a tasting menu like you just express yourself differently but almost i know that you're into food and like you know gardening and everything and i yeah. see your stuff and it's it's the same like almost every chef i know plays an instrument you know and and that's like their real love you know they go to shows all day and so it's it's really cool you know somehow we just got into our our own you know yeah it's genre awesome. if you will so did you go to any of those vagrant america shows i did i went to the house of blues one. Oh, the one that we that played you guys played okay yep. that was a, i think if that was like oh one i think it was the summer oh one or something yeah, i feel like it was before 9-11 yes it was the summer before 9-11 and uh yeah that was a debaucherous t- were you already were you already when did you start cooking in your when did you start in the restaurant world i started in 94 and then oh. uh moved to chicago in 99 and started doing like the super chefy high-end type stuff and then from there on like i was the the young chef running like a fine dining place uh here in chicago at that at that time so and it was like I kind of always got the impression that like people in the restaurant world, it's kind of like mercenary work where it's, it's almost like, like pirates to a certain degree, which is something that yeah. I kind of like equated to like, especially the touring side of, of the industry, as far as like, you know, the, the weird, like I've had some merch guys that are fucking weirdos. <laughs> I just think it's really interesting how many people that I've met. Yeah, that we, always, we always say it's like anarchy or like, literally we always say it's a pirate ship because you have every different personality you have. Yeah the weird guy in pastry that doesn't talk that's just mm-hmm. like a math nerd you know and then you've got like the super macho tough guy you know that butcher and whole pigs in the corner you know showing how tough he is and you've got all the all those different personalities but i i think just like anything in life right you can go in and, and be like i'm going to change all these people and it's going to be my way or the highway you know that thing and i think i was kind of like that when i was younger i was very uh, i was always the youngest in the kitchen and once i was in a leadership spot you're afraid someone's going to challenge your authority so you're always ready to like send them home that's the big thing right like you talk back to me you're going home and i'm going to work your station and then you get to a point where you're like i I don't care we're all just hanging out and we're going to listen to music in the kitchen and it makes it a lot more fun when you're kind of just equal with everyone yeah i don't know if that's like you're the leader of the band and you're like this is the song and i wrote it and this is what we're singing but the other guys want to write music too but you're not going to let it happen and then maybe years later you're like yeah everyone play whatever uh we've, we've gotten into a good groove of just being like like 
like if we're writing a song and I'll be like, okay, so let's do this progression four times. And like, what if we did it three times? I'm like, just trust me. The melody will be better if we do it four because it'll resolve. And like, and like, but then at the same time, I don't go to Ryan and tell him how to play drums or anything. You know, like, it's just like, I trust right, right. to do what they're doing. If there's any memories you have around any of these vagrant records that are fun to tell, we'd love to get that. But I mean, well, seeing those tours and then seeing those bands on their own. And um, again, just talking about how back in the day, being able to go to the vagrant website and see what bands have signed on or like what's on there now would immediately lead me to go and buy some of that stuff. Because mm. again, this is this is pre Spotify, you know, Napster, whatever, really. And um, and that was one of the, you know, kind of like looking at a zine or something it's like it, it was a way to see what bands were out there that you could go and check you know because they were part of this label that you knew the other bands were on so of course these ones have to be good too it's so interesting to me that that became such a thing because like to me that's discord i went through that with discord when i was say absolutely you know and i think for some people and maybe sub pop at one point when i was in yep. high school but you know a, a lot of other like i don't even know what labels bands are even on anymore you know like well that's like the mercenary thing like you yeah. said right a lot of label like are you going to get more support over here or more freedom over here and like you, you know a lot of bands it feels like like blake right like you you know, when you're Jets to Brazil and those bands, like they were very loyal to Jade Tree, you know, and the same thing. You have bands that were with Vagrant because it, it stood for something more. It wasn't just being part of like some, you know, capital, right, whatever, where you don't know anybody, you know, can't get a hold of anyone, I'm sure, to, to get questions answered. Yeah. And then you're on something small like Vagrant, where I'm sure you can, you know, you have a lot more of a, a personal touch with, with the guys that are running it. That was definitely true at the time. Definitely true. <laughs> well, remember what was it? Two or three years ago, we were um, we were at Riot Fest with Mike mm -hmm. from American Football and Owen, and I met the guy that runs Polyvinyl. And oh yeah, he was saying he was like the nicest, coolest dude ever, <laughs> and talking about the same thing. Like, I love these bands. This is what I listen to, and you know, it, I I think it's so cool. It's like opening your own restaurant versus being a chef. Right, being able to run a label you know, has got to be so awesome because you're giving other people opportunities to do their thing. I get you know? real, real strong early vag vagrant days vibes from Polyvinyl now, which is why I'm really glad that we're, we're working with them. They've been super like, they just, they seem to just actually be people who like music and that's exactly, you know, like as opposed to people who got like a music industry degree, <laughs> you know, or, or right. some sort of bullshit like that, but right. Or like a, a business type thing. I mean, again, yeah. in the kitchen, you work with, with some people that are just, you know, where's the food cost? I want this recipe out. How do we, you know, we need to hit this number. And you're like, I, I don't want to be in this business. Like I really, this is not, not you, what I want, you know? Do you ever get people? Cause this is something I'm, I don't think I've ever asked you, but do you ever get people in the kitchen who who like want to like got into it to be a celebrity chef like that's their like prime oh, absolutely food. really god that sucks <laughs> oh yeah that's the well that's the new thing like i have so many people that that will talk to me and it's like i want to be a especially now with kids cooking shows like master chef junior and things these these kids the word chef what does it mean now is it a blogger is it you know someone that actually cooked is it someone that thinks that they're you know uh, uh the worst word now is fucking influencer like they they yeah. ask for free meals so they can post pictures of it and somehow they think that that's benefiting the restaurant. So, you know, it's just so weird that um, more so do I evolve because the business has evolved, you know, like, well, 
I don't know. Like, do you like to play shows or do you say, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I just want to, you know, do the Beatles thing and sit in the studio all day and make music. I'm not going to tour anymore. Oh, if I could, if I could just sit in the studio all day and make music, I would do that in a heartbeat. I love that. Or be, or just be cooking all day. And, uh, yeah, but I just remember there was that, at that kind of like post my chem boom in like 2005 and six, where like I would end up playing shows with these young bands who are just like, they just wanted to be famous. Like they didn't, they didn't, right. They didn't care about punk rock. They didn't, they didn't know who Ian Mackay was, which is just, you know, like it's just absolutely. And I, yeah, that's, that sucks that you have that now. too. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. It's the, it's a thousand percent the same thing where it used to be, I want to, I want to be a chef. And then like one day I, I want to own my restaurant. Like that's all I want to do. And now it's not even that it's, I want this show. And then I want to be able to like roll out this type of thing. But like so many people on TV that are quote unquote chefs have never worked in restaurants. They've never, you know, done the ordering and menu development and working with the cooks. Like they're just a good face. And, and yeah, you now see like Gwyneth Paltrow, Reese Witherspoon, all of them are like have cooking shows and books. Like it's become more of a celeb food thing versus a chef thing. I always thought that so, a chef was someone who like you didn't get that title until you ran a kitchen. Like, so you that's, ran- that's what, that's what we feel still like the old, <laughs> the old guard that you know, kind of earn their stripes coming up. But I, I feel like that, you know, again, I'm turning into that old man that's grumpy. Like, well, back in my day, I had to do this. And a lot of people don't don't see that anymore. They just see chefs on TV and, uh, and that's what they want. I've always taken the same sort of like whenever I've cooked for someone and they'll, they'll say like, you know, praise to the chef and they'll be like, I'm not a chef, I'm a cook. And I, I feel the same way about it whenever like someone in my family calls me a rock star. And it's just like... <laughs> And it's just like, no, <laughs> I'm in a band. I'm a, so I've just been like, I'm a songwriter. Like, can we just stick with that? Like, we don't, I don't want to be like, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of funny, but I have, I have a lot of respect for the, the term chef, but I would, I, that's sad to me that it's become sort of diminished in the zeitgeist that it's not as, not as, not, yeah. not as earned, you know? Well, and, yeah, I think it's like, mu- like musician, you know, I guess is what I, it's like, or songwriter or composer, like you actually know how to do it. It's not just a hobby. Like, like I'm a chef cause I've run kitchens, but I'm really a cook. Like that's what I like to do. Like I can go to the market today and buy a carrot and turn it into a hundred things. Like that's just what I enjoy, but it's, it's not a hobby, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, that you can sit down and, and, you know, put out a song pretty quickly. Like that's, that's not just a hobby. Like that's an actual skill set, you know? Yeah. No. And then because of my punk rock, you know, guilt and diminishing, diminishing of myself, it's hard for me to admit that, (laughs) you know, like, it's just like, Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think that we're always humble and we're like, I, I know Anthony Bourdain said something where it's like the minute that you like quote unquote made it like people are going to your shows or people are coming to your restaurant and you got an award or whatever is the minute that you are like living in fear that they're going to find out who you really are and that you suck. Yeah. It's impossible. Like that, that's mm-hmm. like you're, you're always have that hovering over you that somehow, you know, you're going to get found out now. You know, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. But you know, it's funny side note, side note, when we were at that last show at house of blues last February, I think with uh, Chris and dashboard, we were up watching you. And Chris was just like singing everywhere. And he's like, God, he's like, he is just the absolute greatest songwriter. He's like, no one can write hooks and, and like melodies like that. And I was like, that's cool. That's like, <laughs> if I had other chefs saying that about me, like that's, that's what all, that's all that matters. You know, it's that kind of street cred, I guess, from your, <laughs> from your peers. 
Well, you know, you can't necessarily pay your mortgage with street credit, <laughs> but we, we get by. That's funny. <laughs> that should be that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> street yeah. cred don't pay bills. That's it for this episode of Vagrant Records, 25 Years on the Streets. We still have many more episodes on the way, so be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate it on iTunes. This podcast was produced by Jesse Cannon for Museformation and executive produced by Fred Feldman and Andrew Ellis. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode.